My journey has been one of returning from the darkness and stepping out into the light once more. I'm Chance Lunsford. I'm also Logos and Trivial. While you're sitting trying to figure that out, this is my podcast. Allegedly. <laughs> Logos and Trivial podcast. I'm Chance Lunsford. I'm also Logos and Trivial. Maybe you're also Logos and Trivial. While you're trying to figure that out and what it even means, let me introduce today's special guest. <laughs> All right. I have with me Jason the Argonaut, a.k.a. Jason the Argonaut. <laughs> Jason is a dude I ran into, uh, I guess, on Twitter. He posts nearly nude pictures of himself and make me uncomfortable. He's uh, a physical training enthusiast slash coach. He's uh, a dude with some opinions about things that he's not afraid to express. Uh, I was on his podcast on his like 55th birthday, and that was a great conversation we had. Uh, he was a thoughtful question asker, and I just like the guy. He's a pal, and I'm glad to have you with me, Jason. Welcome. Thanks, Chance. I appreciate that, and the feeling is mutual. You feel like I'm 55? I feel like you're 55. Nothing uh, to do with well, pal, but uh, yeah, definitely 55. Because I'm I'm very wise, very wise, wise, wise beyond my years. Exactly. So look, man, uh, I basically told them nothing about you. Why don't you Why don't you jump in and fill in the blanks a little bit? Who you are, what you do, and we can take uh, it from there. Nothing plus one, like an awesome Dungeons and Dragons spell. <laughs> That'd be more like fourth edition, though, the fucked up edition. So, <clears throat> so yeah, I uh, like Legois, uh, Center for Gla said. I, uh, I'm a fitness enthusiast. I've been a uh, fitness coach and slash self-development coach because they're symbiotic. If you're if you're a personal trainer or whatever, and you're not a, I guess they call it a life coach. Something's wrong. Um, but I, uh, not going too far back, I, I did six years uh, in the pen. I'm kidding. I did six years at Honda's sister company as an engineering technician. It was one of the uh, most soul draining jobs I ever had, not because I hate Japanese people, but, uh, because it was just, it was just so much unimportance. And whenever you're in a job where you just feel like you're not accomplishing anything, you got to get the hell out. And I did. And, um, <clears throat> I didn't start training until I was probably 23, uh, with weights. So by the time I was 26, uh, I got certified as a trainer because people kept approaching me saying, Hey, what do I do? What do I take? What do I eat? Blah, blah, blah. So, um, you can see how, how much I really, you know, enjoy people and their, their questions. But, uh, I got, I started training, um, to late 2006 and I've been doing it ever since. Um, fast forward to today, 13 years later, um, I was laid off recently from both of my jobs. Uh, one, I worked in uh, fitness sales, and the other, I worked as a strength and conditioning coach at a private facility in Georgia. Um, lost both of my jobs due to uh, these people. That's uh, Nancy Pelosi hanging there. That's one of them that I lost my job because of. And um, I had planned to move back to my home state of North Carolina in August, uh, came back in June. And been doing, you know, odd jobs and uh, temp work to make ends meet because I have two, two uh, skills, fitness and manual labor. So I've been doing some manual labor, saving up some change 
paying off a little debt I had and recently just got um, got brought on as the lead coach at a, at a great facility here nearby. So I start that tomorrow. And um, other than that, I'm just a strange bipolar Twitter presence who uh, posts anything from political satire to uh, tough love. I don't give a shit what you think about this, but you need to listen to it because it'll help improve your life type two weeks. But that's me in a nutshell. Hmm. So tell me about your childhood. Uh, <laughs> call oh back. So, so mine, the, the, the thing that got me, it's, it's a good place to start because it, it, it helped get me to who I am today. So I remember my first, let me rephrase that. I don't remember my first nightmare. Uh, my first nightmare was probably being born because it was a very complicated um, birth. Uh, from what my mother said, the pregnancy was fine. It was the birth that was a problem. I was a C-section baby because I was so big. But I remember, yeah, I remember um, when I was three years old. Now, little did I know that when you hear something akin to a bee flying over your head or thunder, it means you had an out-of-body experience. Well, I didn't know that when I was three. I just remember waking up because a bee flew over my head. And um, a few weeks later, um, still in my, my third year, I started having these horrible nightmares and night terrors. And I woke up one day and I, I had these Disney curtains, um, unlike the Mulan curtains I have now. I was heavily into Disney and Disney characters. So there's, there's Donald and uh, uh, Mickey and Minnie and all them. And I saw these, I can see them right now, 38 years later. There were these gigantic worms, these brown, hideous worms just crawling up my curtains. And I called my mother, I was screaming for my mother to come in there and just hit the curtains. So my mother comes in and she, and she doesn't know what's going on. She just knows the, th the three-year-old child is saying, hit the curtains, hit them, hit them, worms, worms, worms. You're not, you're not kids, you got kids, you know how they just scream you know, just random things like, Oh, what, what do you want me to, what do you want me to do? What am I hitting? You know, hit yourself in the head, you know, whatever. So she comes in there, she's beating the curtains, beating the curtains. And I got the, the cover pulled up here and I'm screaming, screaming, screaming. Cause I can see these things and she can't see them. And, um, this went on for weeks and I hate to say this, but my dad got so sick of it <clears throat> that he reversed the locks on my door. So I couldn't get out and nobody could get in. So this traumatized the fuck out of me. And I'm having these nightmares. I'm seeing these things. <clears throat> and they took me to a uh, psychologist. And come to find out what had happened, what had happened was I watched <laughs> The Wizard of Oz and had interpreted that I couldn't get back home. I was lost and couldn't get back home because that's what happened to Dorothy and her friends. So today I have this, this apprehension about feeling trapped or I have extreme claustrophobia and I just have this, it's not so much of a fear. It actually makes me angry. So whenever I feel uh, out of control or 
Like I can't get to my destination. I can't figure something out. I can't solve a math problem. I can't, you know, read a book and understand it. Something like that. Anything like that to this day just irritates the shit out of me. And I was lucky enough to where I could take that and transmute it into, you know, anger and then eventually into rage. But it took it took a long, it took weeks, maybe months for them to figure out exactly what was going on. But that that they they started doing all these tests on me and they found out that I was like this uh I was never an academic genius, but I was basically this creative genius. And I took, I looked so far into things because people with not, not necessarily high IQs because I don't have a high IQ, but people like kids and even grownups who, who look too far into things and try to find, um, they, they see too big of a, of a big picture and they try to solve problems by, um, just laying everything out and, and, and they just, they just interpret everything as this labyrinth of information that just isn't there. They just figured out that I was this, uh, like this creative, you know, creative person who was able to take different scenarios and different instances of different situations and turn them into this, this story that just wasn't there. And I would, I, I would create characters, even as a child, I would create characters and I would create things. I was always creating something. And they tried to put me through all these academic, um, they, they always put me in honors classes. And basically what an honors class is, they give you more homework because you, um, you need to apply yourself more. And I was told all my life that I just didn't apply myself. We're told as children, hey, you can do anything you put your mind to. No, the fuck you can't, because that negates the power of the divine creator who imbued in you a gift that is yours. Mine is coaching. Never knew this. If my gift would have been coaching at 10 years old, they would have said, nah, you don't need to do that. You need to do this other thing. You need to go to school. You need to get straight A's. You need to go to college and get in debt. You need to do all this. And so growing up, I heard all that. I got indoctrinated the same way kids get indoctrinated now in public schools with parents who wanted me safe. They didn't know what the best for me was. They didn't really care about it. Your parents really don't care if you're happy or not. They just want you safe. They want you in a safe job with a 401k and, and, and all this good stuff. And I just never, never got that. My, my parents wanted what they thought was the best for me. And parents nowadays think they want what's best for their kids. But that's not always the case. So <clears throat> growing up, I, you know, I had that problem. I was constantly, I constantly found ways to just resent society. Um, I started puberty extremely early. I started puberty when I was eight years old and that created a shit storm because I'm becoming a man as an adolescent, as, as pre-adolescent. So I'm rebelling. I, I, I don't know how to control, you know, violent urges. I don't know how to control sexual urges. I don't understand, you know, those kind of things. <clears throat> and my, while my dad was in my life, he wasn't a strong presence. The good thing he did give me was work ethic. He instilled in me work ethic. And he told me in 1989, he said, son, you can't live on $20 an hour. I'm like, fuck, I'm nine years old. $20 an hour, that's an empire. I can build an empire. I'm making forts out of my fucking pillows. You're telling me I can't live on $20 an hour? I need to get to work. So that, that has haunted me. And it haunts me to this day, but it also made me a better person, a better man, a harder working man. And, but as far as, you know, overall, 
my childhood really wasn't that bad, as bad as it may sound, you know. There's an interesting thing that happens with people, and you can sort of see the maybe less than valuable uh, side of this scenario on social media where somebody will portray certain portions of their life to shine the best light on themselves. But a lot of times when people are going through some sort of self-analysis or when they're uh, relating the story of their life, they tend to focus on these negative moments. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that, but I think the difference between many people is sort of how they process those negative moments in their life. I mean, we've had conversations, we had a conversation on your podcast, for example, where we talked about some of the negative, uh, I, you know, or less than useful instances in my life. Mm. Um, and I think part of the process of becoming an adult is realizing that you got to do something about that. And you can, you can sort of blame the world or blame the son of a bitch who hurt you or, you know, uh, get mad about it or whatever you're going to do. But in the end, the responsibility is yours to sort of turn that into something that can be useful to you. And I guess I wonder, as you're looking back at these things, you know, we, we started on your childhood sort of jokingly, but also um, just because that's a good place to start. Yeah. Start at the beginning when you come to the end, stop. Uh, I guess I wonder, what is it, at what point do you feel like you realized that sure you had this collection of bullshit that was sitting on your shoulders, but you needed to do something about it. You needed to, you talked about transmuting your sort of fear into anger and rage, uh, but when did you learn to channel even those parts into something that would be valuable to you, that you could use it as a tool to further your uh, ambition, to become something closer to the best version of yourself that you could imagine yourself to be? I think I was definitely in my thirties. So I kept believing the hype that you either do what society and your parents and your teachers and the guy down the road tell you that you should be doing and that your failures are because you didn't apply yourself or you just settle. And when I was working at the Honda plant, I was settling. I had, I was making great money. I was, you know, quote unquote, pulling chicks. I had a motorcycle. I was fucking Wolverine, man. That's who I was. <laughs> and I, I don't think it was until I was, so I never had, I, I'm, I'm, I should preface by saying I'm the, I'm the type of guy that had to learn the hard way. I had to teach myself everything that I learned uh, that, that predominantly related to my ascension, you should say, which I'm still going through. And I'll probably, I'll be going through my own Kali Yuga until the day I die. But I think that what happened for me was I moved, I moved to Atlanta because I, I was getting acting gigs and I, and, you know, I thought, Hey, you know, I, I want to be an actor. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to monetize that. And I tried to monetize my music, didn't work. Because at, at heart, that's my, that's my talent. So everybody has a skill, a talent, and a gift. So my gift is coaching, my talent is singing and playing the guitar, and my skill is manual labor. So 
the three can be symbiotic, but they don't necessarily have to be, and they can fuel each other. But with me, it was, I want to be an actor. I really love doing theater. And it gave me, because like I said, even from the time I was a kid, I was creating characters. I loved He-Man. I loved characters. That's what I loved. I just loved strong, verbose, powerful, uh, life-changing characters. And when I, when I got into act, I got into acting late. I was 31 years old when I got into acting and I did uh, Christmas Carol and I was, I was doing like three roles. I had to do all these clothing changes and I was like, man, I'm the fucking man. I can do anything. I'm, I'm like a, I'm like a, a an acting guru. I'm like a theater guru. I was doing tech. <laughs> I, was, I was doing everything, man. And uh, we had, um, and me and the director did not see eye to eye. And, uh, because she was an idiot. And <laughs> one of the one of the shows we did a Christmas carol, I think it was. And I had just gotten back from uh, doing a tour. We did a tour about the eugenics program. So we toured all over North Carolina. And um, so we did a tour about this place. A local playwright wrote about um, Planned Parenthood. So if, if people don't like that tough, that's what it is. If, if anybody wants to know about Planned Parenthood, I can tell you a little something about that, um, whether you think I'm a misogynist or not. But just got back to doing this play. I came back and did a Christmas Carol again for like the 18th time. And uh, I made these, I played Marley's Ghost. I begged for Marley's Ghost. And uh, I made these big ass boxes and I put nails and chains and shit and I wrapped myself up. I put on black metal corpse paint. I came out there and I'm just, and these kids are crying. These kids are fucking crying, scared to death, <laughs> running off in the middle of the show. The parents got to run them out. People are coming to me after the show. You're like, you made the kids cry, bro. That was fucking awesome. And um, standing room only. And the director pretty much just made some snide remark and I always pulled some shit at the end of the show. So I'd always play old Joe the rag picker. A lot of people overlook him. He's, he's during future. And uh, at the very last show, I always pulled some shit on Sunday, the Sunday matinee. And I pulled out this doll as if Scrooge had this, this, this doll. And me and the rag lady are like, because she's trying to take it from me. I'm trying to take it from her. And the crowd's losing their shit. The director comes up to me after the show. like, that was just unnecessary. I quit. And since then, that was 2013. The shit, it just fell to nothing. It went to nothing. Because I always brought it. And I said, you know what? I'm just destined for better things. It may not be Hollywood, thank God. But I'm just destined for better things. So I went to Atlanta. And I learned that I just hated, I hated the process of auditioning. Because for some reason, I'm better with one take than I am if I have the opportunity. I work better under pressure. So I'm better right now than if this was pre-recorded because I have to perform right now. I can't, I can't screw up and say, oop, got to pee, be right back. Can't do it. I'll have to piss myself. So. I mean, just, I, you can pee if you need to. I'll, right. I, I, you can't see it. I'll, I'll talk. It. Yeah, You might see a shadow, but you can't, you know. And um, I, I just got to the point where I was like, you know what? This is, this is not for me. So I, I said, I'm going to do film and television because I got that. I got a little bit by the arrogant but I, I can do theater i can do small town theater i can do i can do uh I can do film and television i got there long story short i hated it i didn't like um i didn't like it being passed over 
I got I got really egotistical. I got really privileged, if you will, because I saw other actors who sucked. And when I say they sucked, they sucked just getting roles left and right because it comes down to looks and it comes down to nepotism. It comes down to who you know, who you blow. And I don't know anybody and I ain't blowing nobody. Um, and we can change that. Yeah, it's just not my thing, you know. <laughs> um, and I just I see, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to see how David Goggins I can become. This was just completely out of nowhere. I was working at this great private gym in uh, Alpharetta, Georgia. And um, so I would go in and I got on this legit bodybuilding program. I mean, and when, what I mean by that is four sets of 12 on everything pretty much. I'm like, this is not going to. But for some reason, I love the program. And I swole up. And I swole up fast. Um, not because of LOL steroids, but because I just, I put so much into it. I was going in, I was doing a thousand meters on the rower as my warm up. I was doing a thousand meters on the rower as my cool down. Sometimes I was doing two a days. I was doing an hour on the weights. I would say, you know what? It's not enough. I, I got to get more, 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 more. Then I got mixed up with this girl who was talking to me and someone else at the same time. She sucked my soul out. And uh, at that time I read the rational mail. And when I read the rational mail, it literally fixed me right then and there. I said, oh, shit. I was raised by a single mother. I was raised around women. I didn't have, I had my father until I was like 20, but he wasn't as present as he could have been. So what's happening is I'm, I'm, using, I'm using emotion in my rationale. And people would probably think, what the hell does that mean? Because the rational male is actually deeper than what people think it is. It's not, just a, uh, it's not a book about getting chicks. It's not a book about, you know, being a misogynist. It's not a book about any of that kind of stuff. But it taught me exactly what my problem was. And that was that I was not thinking logically. It was the same thing as it went all the way back to The Wizard of Oz. Oh, my God, I can't get back home. Oh, my God. Bruh, it's a TV show. It's, it's a movie. That's all it is. It's a really old movie. And I learned that I wasn't putting logic into anything, and I never was. So I went on this quest, if you will, at 39 years old to cultivate my own masculinity because I felt like a fraud because I had been teaching people about, you know, how to be stronger. I wasn't going out there and saying, you know, this is how you be a man and men don't do this and blah, 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 blah. I never got into that kind of stuff. It was purely from a fitness and self-development perspective. And I even coached some women, you know, here and there. And once I read that book, um, it, it just, it just really brought my mind around to everything that was wrong. And it's, it's, you, you have to learn to step back, look at everything go deeper than face value. The truth is somewhere in the middle. Um, and so I, I hit the weights really hard. I hit the books really hard. I hit operation werewolf's blog really hard. That helped me out a lot. Jack Donovan helped me out a lot. There were all these things that came in and it was like this wave. It was this huge wave. And then I went too far because now I have a hard time feeling the things that people should. So I was, I was almost black pilled in other words.
Mm. Um, maybe not to the point where I hated women, because I don't think I could get to that point, but almost to the point where I just became a little too stoic <clears throat> and a little too apathetic and things of that nature. Because when you have no, when you have no center and you have nothing to really guide you and you get thrown into something as third eye as the rational male and the red pill, it tends to, you see a lot of guys get black pilled from that. And luckily I avoided that. And I started, I started getting involved with a lot of really great people. Um, a lot of the guys in the fraternity of excellence, I befriended them. Um, I was in the fraternity of excellence for a little while. I got out because I just don't do well in groups. I just, I just don't. I think, I think Zach and Craig and all of them are great. Everything they're doing is great. It just wasn't for me because I just don't do well in groups. I don't do well with obligations. We got, we got a, we got a, a, a call tonight on Zoom. I'm like, nah, I can't make it because I'm over here, you know, staring at a candle and meditating, whatever the fuck I'm doing, reading a, a Dungeons and Dragons novel or whatever I'm doing. And um, so it, it just wasn't, it's, it's like, it wasn't that it wasn't a fit for me. I wasn't a fit for it. And, uh, you know, I got to talking to guys like you and, um, one of my mentors actually is Nathan steel Jans. He's, he's one of my, he was, he was the guy that got me writing. He was the guy that got me podcasting. And I was like, Holy shit, I can have an online tribe. This is what, this is what it's all about. Because I was reading, I talked to this about, I talked to this with Jack Donovan. Um, he was on my podcast a couple of weeks ago and it'll be released, um, this month. But it, I talked to him because the way of men came out first, becoming a barbarian came out second. Well, the way of men throws you right into a tribe. And we get a lot of us guys that had a strange, strange way of being brought up. We were kind of loners. We wanted to be loners. We didn't, we didn't click with people a lot. We were weird or whatever. We tend to have that Sigma mentality and think that, Oh, we got to be alone all the time. And it's, we don't know it's dangerous, but it is. And, and I said something about this uh, a few months ago. The, the most beneficial thing for a Sigma is isolation. The most dangerous thing for a Sigma is isolation. Hmm. And it's, it's, a, it's a dichotomy. And it's a very dangerous dichotomy if you don't know how to control the two. And I read, I tried to read Start, uh, uh, The Way of Men, got halfway through. I couldn't stand it anymore. I don't want to try. Then I read Becoming a Barbarian. Becoming a barbarian eases you into that and then boom, throws you into the tribe. So I'm like, oh shit, now I get it. So I, I got through becoming a barbarian, went back to the way of men, read that, um, just started reading a bunch of different things that, that really resonated with me. Like I said, Operation Werewolf, um, a lot of things about the god Odin, why he did what he did. I just learned to look at things beyond face value and look at the metaphors, the symbolism, things of that nature. So 39 was my year. That was two years ago. 39 was my year. <clears throat> and then um, something happened again that just made me downward spiral. And that's kind of the issue with clinical depression. And when I got laid off, I downward spiraled again. So it's been... Uh, two years since that time, almost. Um, no, I think it has. Yeah, it has. It's, it's been, it's been uh, two and a half years, I think, since that time. And now what I'm doing is I'm trying to 
you know, come up from it again because I do this. I do this because it's how mental illness is. Um, because I'm a fucking psychopath. I was literally diagnosed with psychosis. I was I was diagnosed with all kinds of shit. Is it true? I don't know. It makes sense because I've seen some of the shit I've written and I've drawn and I haven't ever shown anybody. Um, it would. It's not really disturbing, but it can be disturbing to some people. But you have to. There, there's there's an eye opening instance for everyone. And it kind of depends on the age. Um, I, I do believe, yeah, men don't truly mature until they're forty. I, I think there's a there's some there's some uh, truth behind that. And uh, for for me, it was thirty nine. So I so I I really hit it a year early, but way down the rabbit hole, can't even remember the uh, the original question. But yeah, all that being said. It's it's been a it's been a roller coaster, but I, I owe a lot to if, if anybody ever loses their way and they wonder, you know, how to to combat this and to combat the 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 generics that society starts throwing at them, you gotta seek out those those sages. And my sages were people like Nathan and Jack Donovan and the guys from OPWW, uh Robert Green, you know, all those kind of things that just really helped me help put me on the right path. It's just, I, I struggle to stay on the path a lot because I'm kind mm. of, I got that squirrel ADD thing going on, but um, I try. So that may or may not answer your question that may or not, may not have anything to have to have done with the question, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So 39. Yeah. Oh, I missed 39. Well I think sometimes you ask people a question and they answer the question they've been asking themselves and you just yeah. give them the chance to do that. Yeah. I have, I have, I have maybe some, some thoughts on there because my story is similar in some ways, but it's, it's almost sort of diametrically opposite in a lot of ways because my parents divorced when I was like a year and a half. And I was raised by my dad because my mother was and frankly is a mess. Right. Um, and my dad is a super alpha from, from physically to mentally. And you could describe him more as a Sigma, I suppose, because he's very much a loner, but he's six foot six. He's giant and muscular. He, he's got an indomitable will and he raised me to be that way. Mm -hmm. And there was a conversation I had in a Twitter group, a DM group I used to have that was based around the guests I had brought onto this podcast. And I was talking in there and one of them asked me, do you, and cause I was kind of talking shit about the red pill community in general. And he said, but do you naturally get girls? I was like, yeah, I'm a handsome guy and I'm confident, you know? And he said, well, not all of us are like that. And, this kind of stuff helps us. And, and I was thinking less about sort of attracting the females end of the thing, but the sort of understanding what it means to be a masculine man mm -hmm. end of the situation as you were talking, because for me, that's all I knew. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like, my dad told me the first day I showed up to school, he said, look, I don't want you picking any fights, but if you didn't start the fight and you finish it, I'll back you up every time. Mm -hmm. Have a good day, buddy. Right. <laughs> and 
you know, I just grew up knowing, all right, I'm doing things my way. I'm going to lead. I'm going to be the one. I can do anything that I decide I'm going to do as long as I focus my will on that thing and I work my ass off and I don't let anything get in my way. Mm-hmm. And that has proven to be pretty true minus a couple of things in my life. And and those things really humbled me in a lot of ways because there's a teaching moment. It's like, well, there are some things about you that limit other things in the world that you just can't do. It doesn't matter how many times you throw yourself against this wall. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how clever you try to work around the obstacles. Some shit ain't happening, bro. Yep. And that, that kind of threw me for a loop. But what I'm trying to get at here is there is – There is a person like me who I just know I'm going to succeed and I know I'm right unless I'm not and I'm and I'm shown that I'm not. And then it's like, okay, cool. I, now I know a new thing. Great. Integrate. And it wasn't always that easy for me. You know, I had to I had to fight through that. But into my late 20s and especially now into my 30s, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm wrong. Fix the problem. Next, next mm-hmm. thing. Now I know more. Great. I'm, I'm more prepared for the next thing. In fact, just as a little aside, I'm – I'm I'm thinking about how to construct the version two of uncommon mentality. And it's going to be very special. And it's going to be just as an uncommon version two as compared to version one as compared to all the rest of the, the quote unquote self-help stuff out there. For those of you who hadn't read the book, you should. It's it's unique. And this next one's going to be even more unique in this world. But I do a lot of visualization and I teach people a lot of skills of visualization. And one of the things I was thinking about today is I was in my power place in my mind. And for me, that's often an arena where I'm doing battle. Mm-hmm. And, and I was, and I was thinking about the infinite dragon and I was doing battle with the dragon and I was morphing through all these different forms of warriors and thinking about the different aspects of how culture impacts the way that the warriors embody those cultural aspects into their physical reality and the way that they move and the way that they fight and the way that they think about combat and this infinite dragon, as I was going through this metamorphosis of all these warriors and all these different cultural styles and this milieu of the sort of the, the broad scope of the warrior ethos, I kept attacking this dragon and, you know, I would, I would pin the, I would pin the multiple heads to the ground with daggers and then the, the heads would turn into tails and the tails would whip out and fling the daggers back at me. And I would just be launched to the. And so the point I'm trying to get at with this was I was, I was thinking about how this infinite dragon is the gift. You are at war constantly and you gain an understanding and you defeat the current iteration of the Hydra, but then the Hydra grows another head and now you have this new obstacle and eventually, and it's going to beat you down sometimes. And eventually, no matter how many times you defeat that Hydra, that infinite dragon is going to grow into a form that will kill you and then you die and it's over with. Mm -hmm. But that's not the thing to focus on. The thing to focus on is where am I at right now? And can I overcome this iteration of the dragon? Mm -hmm. And the reason I'm sort of bringing this up and I'm tying this web is, There are a lot of sort of dorky, bitter, divorcee types, black-pilled women-hater, red-pill types who give the whole culture surrounding some of these ideas a really bad name. Uh, But there's, there's something inside of there that's very important, but it often gets missed 
because of the sort of failure of the balance of the dichotomy that you were talking about, which is you have emotions. That's a reality. You have mm -hmm. them. You also have this rational mind. You have it. And the masculine side of you leans more towards the rational and the feminine side leans more towards the emotional. And you have to find a way to come to grips with both of those things because they exist within you simultaneously. And neither one of them should be forsworn or forsaken either. It's important. This emotional side, this emotional side is telling you there's something going on in your environment that is causing you to react in a way. And then the rational side is for you to figure out what that is and what you're going to do about it. Not just to, not just to uh, let the emotions dominate you and live in a reactionary state, but to go, well, okay, what am I going to do about this? Mm -hmm. And if you lose all, if you lose out on the emotional side, you also lose out on that artistic expressive side. Yeah. And like you, I, I love characters. I embody characters all the time. I've done that since I was a little kid. I'm an only child. I would stand in front of the mirror. I would have a TV and I would look at Sean Connery and I would practice that motherfucker's voice and mannerisms for hours until I nailed it. And then I go show all my family and all my friends. They'd be like, how do you do that? And I say, well, I'm an only child. Mm -hmm. And I, I have all kinds of characters and I write with characters and all kinds of things because it's easy for me to embody these characters because I've been doing it all my life. And like you, I, I'm not necessarily all that mentally um, there. Well, I'm pretty fucking there. I'm pretty <laughs> with it, bro. But I'm I'm a I'm neuro I'm neuro atypical. We'll say that's the that's yeah. the fun phrase they've come up with that right these days. But okay, so I said all this stuff, and I've kind of gone on this rambling thing. But the reason I brought all these things together is because. I, I wonder I wonder your take on the idea that you talked about the black pill aspect of the red pill. And there's also this sort of I say this to my wife and her friends sometimes just to get a rise out of them, but you know, I'll say something like, You're acting shrill and hysterical. You should probably make me a sandwich. Mm -hmm. And, but there is a reality that that emotional side can move into hysteria or shrillness or just sort of uh, volatility mm -hmm. in a way that is not beneficial. That's sort of like the emotional blackpilling is just giving yourself over to that hysterical reactionary nature. And I guess I wonder, how do you view a person's responsibility to f find the balance between those two worlds and, and do do you suppose that there's like a magic sauce or that it's just sort of a person has to be exposed to enough, enough of maybe understanding of both of those um, states of being or states of mentality that they can then discover for themselves the correct balance and then to embrace it and, and live maximally that way. I guess I just wonder how locked in do you think the gender rules are and, or what kind of balance there is to be found or how do you view that as a, as like an individual's journey through logic versus emotion? Um, I, I think right now the genders aren't locked in enough um, uh, as, as we're seeing everything that's going on right now, because the, I, I say this a lot is that women think they need to be masculine to be strong. And masculinity doesn't equal strength by default. Masculinity equals strength in a man. 
femininity equals strength in a woman. If a woman is nurturing, uh, she provides in a feminine way. She's a wife. She's a mother. That's what she's supposed to be. You're not. I'm not a patriarch by saying that a woman uh, should be a woman. Um, people get wrapped up in the whole woman being submissive. You have to look deeper into the word. Being submissive just means let the man lead. It doesn't mean put a ball gag in your mouth and a dildo in your ass and tie your wrist to your ankles and submit to him. That's not what it means. And that's where the emotional aspect of it comes in because we have women using emotion to tell men how to be men because they don't like the way things are because they've created this invisible patriarchy. Because if we had a patriarchy, you'd, you'd know it. You'd really, really know it. There have been patriarchies. They don't know a patriarchy, but that's what people do. They, they take emotion and they blow things all out of proportion. Just like I did with the fucking sandworms crawling on Mickey Mouse. So, and as a kid, you kind of get a pass for being emotional because your balls haven't dropped yet. And so, hey, you can cry about everything. Um, even though I wasn't much of a crier, I was just a lot of, I just overreacted a whole lot. I didn't even have a pacifier, dude. Like I was making a joke the other day. I was talking about a binky. My mother's like, what's a binky? I said, it's a pacifier. <laughs> she said, you never had one. You never even sucked your thumb. I'm like, cool. But I saw worms, you know? But the whole thing with, with it being locked in is, is it's not locked in enough right now. And women are telling men to be nice guys. And then when they're nice guys, they don't get the woman. It's like a, it's a trap, you know? Hmm. So some men don't have a chance, period. You know, you can be as handsome or more handsome as Chance Lunsford and still not have a chance. If no, you can't. You know, if your shit's not together. You can't. You, you think handsome is, is enough if you're as handsome as you? With handsome as me? Enough? Yeah, no? okay. dude, that's, that's enough. Well, you can be as handsome as me. <laughs> <laughs> and even more so, and still not have a chance, okay? Uh, because because I've been there. But the whole thing with the whole gender dynamic now is it's so fucked up because women are acting like men. And men are not only acting you know, more feminine, they're acting more feminine because they think that that's what they're supposed to do. And that's the great thing about the red pill stepping in and stopping that shit. Now, I didn't have a problem with acting feminine. I just was putting, I was trying to use emotion as logic. And, you know, like you said, emotion works for some things. Logic works for other things. It's not to say women can't be logical and men can't be emotional. It just means don't cry about everything. Women don't overthink everything. So the problem with the red pill right now and how it leads to the red pill, I mean, excuse me, with the red pill right now and how it leads to the black pill is that they've taken the red pill and made it into a movement. It's not a move. It's like Jeet Kune Do is not a martial art. It's a concept. Bruce Lee said this a million times. How do you have a Jeet Kune Do school? A school? It's a fucking protocol. You, it's not a system. So they've taken the red pill and they've turned it into a system. And when you take something that's so simplistic and turn it into a movement, it morphs into something else. So, okay, I'm going to become more high value. I'm going to spin plates, as they say, and eventually I'm just going to hate women. I'm going to, then I'm going to MGTOW and no fap. I'm going to tell you right now, you either need to fap or not MGTOW. 
Because if you're already angry and you're already you're, you're already let down by women because you can't get the women because you suck at life and you probably look at anime porn or anime period, whatever. <laughs> I mean, not spanking it and going your own way and not you, – you need to release that shit somehow, bro. So they've that's where that black pill comes from. You know what? I'm just I'm just not going to talk to women and I'm not going to do this. I'm going to get really angry. I'm, and they don't, they don't know how to transmute it. They have no idea how to transmute that into, into something healthy. So it turns into this bastardization of what was supposed to be just a simple thing. Wake up. This is how women are, whether you like it or not. This is how men are supposed to be, whether you like it or not. Get your shit together. This is what I said the other day. And I got and I, I told I told Zuby this today. I hate when a tweet goes viral and it's the wrong tweet. It's just the wrong. This is not the one I wanted to go viral. And I made a simple top 10. One of the worst things you can do as someone who's, <laughs> who's an influencer, because you know what happens. And, and it's funny because you know every time Ajax makes a list, somebody wants to add to it. He's like, make your own fucking list. Why are you adding to my list? I don't need your help. And I made this the top 10 list, Argonauts top 10 for men. And at the top of here was have two you know, work to establish two businesses and one side hustle. Don't chase money or women. Well, here they came. Here came the anime spankers all up on my timeline, all up on my post talking about these two don't go together. Chief. I love when they use like, uh, like uh, names and emojis and walls and all that kind of stuff because they got you. They got 13 followers. Their fucking AVI is a selfie. This is not what men do. Okay. If you, if your AVI is a selfie, your, your, your name is probably Brian or Jeff. I know you're into weird shit. And I don't mean weird shit in the bedroom. If you're into weird shit in the bedroom, uh, that's fine, as long as your wife consents to it. But if you're into weird shit on the monitor, that's a, that's a different problem, okay? Mm-hmm. So you're coming up on my, on my timeline, and I know you beat off into a sock on the regular, and you're calling me out because I said a thing you don't agree with because you just don't get it, and you're going to correct me on it? That's... Emotion, emotion right there. So this fucking tweet goes viral. And here come the Jeffs and the Bryans and the Daniels and the Parkers. We know all we all know Parker, the date Parkers. rape guy in the fucking country club. Those two things don't go together, Chief. You can't, you can't not chase money and have a business. Um, so what I mean by that is don't don't try to do the things you suck at to make money because you heard somebody else made it that way. And I don't have the 280 characters. So I had, you know, I, I can't really elaborate on it, but that's what I, I try to do is I try to make people think, but they can't do that. That's, that's a big mistake. Twitter's the worst place to try to get people to think because they're, they're all narcissists and they're all look at me, but that's the problem with the, the male and the female dynamic. You got women who are using too much emotion. You got men who are using too much emotion because the women are telling them to use too much emotion. So both the dynamics are fucked up. So, in essence, they're not locked in at all. They're, they're locked in in a different way. And that's what I'm afraid of. Because men are locked in to be more feminine and women are locked in to be more masculine. And they're just at this, there's this collision. And the, the, the male feminists think they're actually accomplishing something. But the women are just looking down on them more. Well, now they're even more mad. But they still continue to orbit around them. Because they think, they, they think that... They think that being sensitive to the plight of the woman is going to get them laid. And insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And they're still not getting laid. And they're still no fap. And they're still MGTOW. And they're all still crazy. And 
that's what we have now. And that's why people burn down Wendy's. <laughs> okay. So I have a couple of thoughts here to not necessarily push back, but to, to throw into the mix here. One of them, I guess is, and, and shout out to Adam and, and Trenton. What up fellas? Appreciate you being here. One of the thoughts is I tend to agree with your assessment for the most part, but I also think that while the majority of men and women fall into those two categories, there's some crossover. And I think, I think part of the problem is that when, like, let's say that you are a heterosexual man, but you're also fairly prissy in your mannerisms. You're sort of just like not, not a manly man. You're still attracted to women. Um, you you still have a a male mentality for the most part. Let's say, but you know you might uh, you might do T Rex hands just kind of naturally, just kind of one of these things, or or like you know like stand with your hands on your hips and 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 your hip cocked out to the side and, and one foot pointed sideways and one foot pointed forward, <laughs> but you're still in, but you're still into ladies. And, and there's, you know, a lot of times you see those guys in grade school and you're like, that guy's gay for sure. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of 10, it's like, yeah, okay. That guy's into dudes. Whatever. I don't, you know, whatever. I don't care about that. No. Whatever your bedroom business is, is yours. Everybody's on board. Everybody's of legal age. Cool. That's yeah. right. But, but you know, that one out of 10 guy, they're not going to be, they're not going to thrive in a relationship with a woman who's sort of more leaning towards the sort of more traditionally feminine role where she's sort of submissive and waiting to be led. And there's a balance to be had. Just because that person is not a traditionally masculine person doesn't mean that there's not somebody out there for them to find a balance with and to find a happy relationship with and to build meaning into their lives with. But I think where a lot of what I have seen out there is where some of this problem comes from is that because folks like that have been marginalized for so long, the pushback is so intense. And <laughs> Trenton, Trenton's my friend, uh, and he's, uh, he's saying that's not nice. He's right here. I'm not talking about you, Trenton. Not not necessarily. I mean, not necessarily. That's but, the name but, I missed. I got Jeff and Daniel and Brian and Parker Trenton. That was the one I missed. <laughs> He's but, the guy but, with the foot turned to the side. Yeah. No, just the T-Rex hands. Oh, T-Rex. Okay. <laughs> but my, my point is this. A lot of those mannerisms have been so marginalized for so long that the pushback is so extreme. And because of uh, sort of the the social cultural mix right now with the, with the sort of uh, intersectionality and the, and the Gramscian Marxism and the, and the sort of circus political stuff. And there's such a ripe culture mix right now for people to forget that there's a reason that, that biology is real, mm-hmm. that these, these separations this dimorphic separation between male and female is hundreds of millions of years old. And there's a reason that it's that old. It's because it's important. Yeah. It, it, it works. That's how, 
you know, like I'll give you an example there. If you have ever, if you're familiar with elk, Rocky Mountain elk, they travel in herds and in a herd, there's an alpha male, just a big, strong male, big old bugle, big old horns, just dominant. And they fight. They'll stab each other to death. Call them a bull, and then there's a right? bunch of cows. Bulls. That's right. Bull elk. Yep. And then there's a bunch of cows that are his harem. And then there are satellite males that circle around the edge of the harem. And when the bull's over here, the satellite male sneaks in and says, oh, you know, I'm white knight and I hope she sees this, bro. And, and sneaks in a quickie. And, but it's important because if the alpha male is the only one breeding, then you run into issues genetically one or two or three generations down the line where if it's only his kids and they're only mating with his kids, the health of the herd is impacted. Mm-hmm. So you have these sneaker males come in and they introduce new genetics and they're not necessarily superior genetics, but they're new genetics. They make something new, which keeps the health of the herd up. And so I think what we as people tend to be pretty bad at is subtlety and while I do think that the sort of traditional gender roles or the sexual dimorphism that's obviously present in, in humans, both biologically and culturally, is important, it's also important to recognize that there's a reason that sneaker males are just as lindy as alpha males. And it's because it's important genetically and it's important culturally to have outsiders in a lot of ways. And it's the same, you know, same for sigmas. Like, look, man. I have to have some alone time pretty much every day. It's part of the reason that I wake up very early. I get a couple hours in the morning where I don't, I'm not beholden to anybody else's expectations or thoughts or whatever. It's just chance doing what chance does. I write, I read, I train, I meditate, I ponder. I just do what I'm going to do. And then I go to work and then I come home and I have family time or I do a podcast or whatever. And I make connections with people. So my, my, the reason I'm throwing this into the mix is because I think the harder we lock on to this idea of a male has to be exactly a certain way or a female has to be exactly a certain way, the more that we're going to eventually have the pushback that we have right now, which is no, they have to be exactly the opposite way of that. There's that, there's that tension. In fact, I'll give you one more example, and then I'll kick it back over to you. <laughs> this is kind of funny. Uh, Andrew Tate had a fight with a guy who talked shit to him in, in the locker room. And he just knocked the dude out so fast. So fast. <laughs> and I was like, dude, why don't you pick a better opponent? And Andrew's just like, it's a, go watch the video. I was like, I did. I just saying, you know, you're a lot better fighter than that guy is. I'd like to see you fight some better guys. And this one guy comes in and he, and he called me a worm. I was like, why? Plus, do you, do you think Andrew needs your help to fight this fight? Right. And he's like, no, nah, you're a worm. But then to his credit, and this is the faded ape I'm talking about on Twitter. He went and he looked and he saw I had a podcast and he saw I had a book and he saw I had these conversations with all these people. And he reached back to him and he's like, hey, man, it looks like you're actually doing the work and you're pretty legit. And we had a phone call this morning. And he we just kind of had a talk about some of this stuff the same stuff that we're talking about and i i just um 
one of the points I made to him was, and, and this is not revolutionary thinking or anything, but it's just sort of timely, is that, you know, the more you suppress who you are as a person, there's the above board stuff and then there's the below board stuff. There's like that, there's that level of your, the waters of your soul. And the more shit you shove beneath the waters, the weirder stuff gets down there. And he was bringing up the, the idea of the Japanese culture. They're like very just like respectful and no nonsense and uh, professional and, and well-mannered. But then it's anime, tentacle porn. Right. And it's like, well, that's weird, bro. You know, like uh, maybe that's gone too far down the road of I'm not going to express who I am. But on the other end of stuff, it's like you can't let all that weirdness out into the world all the time. That's problematic, too. Then you end up with what we have right now, which is I'm going to cut off my pee pee and, and tell people that they're wrong for being masculine. It's like, well, I'm not. I mean, if you want to cut off your pee pee, that's it's your pee pee, you know, it's not, but you can't be telling kids that they should do that. And you shouldn't be telling me that I'm bad because I don't want to cut mine off. That's not, that doesn't make sense either. Right. And so I guess um, I'm not necessarily going to try to land this coherently. I'm just going to throw those thoughts at you and, and see what sort of reflects out of you. Yeah, well, neither of us are coherent, really. <laughs> we're, we're on a different plane. I'm on another level, bro. Yeah, we're, we're, we, they got to get on our level. Yeah, I mean, and you know what? I respect what you said. And, and, you know, it gets kind of... I think my thing is my, my best friend is um, bisexual and prefers men. And he can be very effeminate. But when it comes down to it, he's, he's actually a, a very masculine man. So... He, he will do uh, T-Rex arms from time to time. Uh, he doesn't turn the foot to the side, but T-Rex arms is enough to, to make up for that uh, double over. And uh, he has a daughter he loves very much. He was, he was married. He still loves he's, – he's talking to a girl right now. He's um, um, actually an older woman too, which I'm uh, – I mean, whatever. If that's, if that's your thing. Um, but I think that – even if you're quote unquote effeminate. So when I say men need to be more masculine, I think that they can be more masculine because uh, they can be more masculine and still maintain their own personality. They don't have to be Rocky. They don't have to be, you know, um, they don't have to be like Grant Cardone and own the room. They don't have to do that. They don't uh, necessarily have to be, you know, alpha males, as they say, you know, things of that nature. Um, but I also don't think that they need to be, I, I just don't think that the omega types and the gamma types, and, and I need to say that I don't believe in the hierarchy. I don't believe in the dominance hierarchy. I think it's stupid. We're not animals. We're not elks. We're not gorillas. We're not any, any of that. I don't believe in any of that. I don't believe I came from a monkey. I, I don't believe any of that. So it's, it's hard for me to relate to the guys, as Andrew says, the alpha dorks. That's my favorite. It's one of my favorite things ever. Um, so I just don't, I don't, I don't buy into that, but for the sake of argument and so that it, it's, you know, people understand the conversation. I don't think somebody has to be an alpha male to be masculine. You can have beta traits and still be masculine because masculine, all masculinity is, is the good qualities of a man. That's why toxic masculinity can't exist because once you're toxic, toxic, you're not masculine anymore. And if you're truly masculine, you can't be toxic your masculinity actually prevents you from being toxic. I don't think there's any such thing as toxic masculine traits. You just can't have that. And I think that 
women can i don't i don't buy into the whole women with short hair are not are automatically no longer feminine i i think mm. it's adorable i think pixie cuts are adorable on the right girl uh, i think some girls look better with short hair some girls just can't some girls that are like you know little homunculi that are like four foot eleven <laughs> you know and they got like long hair it's just too they, they look like the chick in the ring you know and i think it's just not you know they look better with a pixie cut i, I think it's fine and i think it's okay for you know you, you have guys who are not muscular but look look at bruce willis dude's the dude's head's bigger than mine. I got the biggest head on the man as far as head to body proportions. And, you know, Bruce Willis has got little arms. I mean, he's, he's kind of a bigger guy, but he's not a jack guy. He never was a jack guy. But look at him in, in Die Hard. That was a masculine motherfucker. He wasn't muscular. He was kind of a, just a regular dude, but he had that. He exuded that masculinity. He didn't have to be, you know, Jay Cutler, um, the bodybuilder, not the football player, but – I, kind of, I guess when I talk about that kind of stuff, it, it, it tends to be because I went from I was never an effeminate male. I could have been. Luckily, I, I fought against it because my my I, masculine rebellion was so uh, the force was strong in me. I don't know. But w w when I say men should be more masculine, I don't mean they should they should re reject all of their qualities, per se. And I'm, I'm not saying you're you're saying that I said that, but. I'm saying that the the overabundance of emotional outbursts and the femininity that men have because they think they're supposed to have it because they think it will get them laid hmm. is is a huge problem. And I do think a lot of the wrong people are uh, procreating, and that's a, a lot of the reason why you know we have a lot of the things that are going on right now. But yeah, I totally agree with you. You don't, you don't, you don't have to be. It's it's people have the right to procreate. You know, if it works. Um, I have, I have a follower who said something about um, she's she's pretty much the leader. She, her, because I had I had posted something about something along those lines, and she's I mean she's short hair glasses. She, I mean she doesn't like Pat or anything. But she's very uh it's pat <laughs> and uh she's by no means you know uber masculine but she she takes care of business you know i respect mm. that i think it's i think it's fine you know um i like i myself prefer and it's crazy because i think i'm improving um the cool thing about getting on twitter was you see all these younger women who are more and it's and it's it, and it's a fresh take it's nice to see it these younger women who are like you know what i just want to be a wife and a mother and they get bastardized they get bombarded by the ones who are pat and and you know and i and i get bombarded by guys when i when i say you know anything about a you know a strong man attracting women and whatnot i get you know trenton Hitting me up, talking about. Hey. <laughs> Sorry, Trenton. That's it. I'm just, I'm just fucking with. I'm fucking with. No, it's it's definitely Brian. It's definitely Brian doing it. And uh, you know, hit me up talking about. Oh, is that all you got, you, Mr. Uber Tough Guy? Uh, LOL, steroids, whatever. And it just it, it's the, the, the when it gets down to it, the whole dynamic is just thrown off. Hmm. So uh, yeah, what you said is absolutely true. It's you know it's necessary. It's not necessary for 
you know, traditional masculine man to mate with traditional feminine woman and the offspring be, you know, absolutely perfect and the cosmos go back to normal. It's not, it's, you know, it's not always like that. So that's not how, you know, I believe it all. I just believe that there's a, a huge disparity as, as, as what should be, what should kind of be the normal. And I just think that, you know, men should learn to cultivate their masculinity. Women should learn to cultivate their femininity, whether women want to wear button up shirts and, and cut their hair like Pat or men want to wear, you know, blouses and have long hair like Louis from interview with the vampire, whatever, you know, because what it boils down to is we don't have, and this is coming way out of left field, but this is something I talk about a lot. We don't have initiation rituals anymore. So nobody mm. knows who the fuck they are. They're being told this is what you are. And it goes back to that indoctrination by public schools and parents and everybody else society that this is who you're supposed to be. So kids are like, Oh shit. You know, you got drag Queens reading to your kids. Oh shit. This is normal. It's not normal. It's not fucking normal. And that's that, you know, that's, that's a huge problem. Instead of initiation rituals, we're getting, we're, we're getting cuties. That's what we're getting. And you know, any way, any way you look at it, it's, it's wrong, you know? So, you know what, if the kid grows up gay, that's fine. But don't, like you said, don't tell the kid to cut his wee wee off, you know, and don't tell a girl to attach, you know, something you know, to hers. This is not cool. They can't make that decision. And that's one of the most dangerous things right now that we have going on is that kids are being indoctrinated into all this hysteria. They're being told who they are, what they should be, while other kids are getting trafficked and nobody gives a fuck. Mm. And this is a huge problem with me because... You have narcissists on one side talking about this thing. And then you have, you know, political panderers on this side talking about this thing. People are still on the whole mask. I'm not wearing a mask. They don't wear a goddamn mask. I don't care if you wear a mask. or not. I don't care if you put on a mask and send yourself up in a fucking hot air balloon. I could not care less. What I care about are the real issues. And we got issues being avoided at the expense of the issues that just really don't matter whatsoever. Mm. No. Yeah. So this is, this is an important avenue for me because I was raised in a house that said, you figure out what you want to be and then you apply yourself to it with everything that you got. And I was given the space to figure out who I wanted to be. I mean, there were expectations placed upon me in certain regards. I was supposed to be a good worker. I was supposed to tell the truth. I was supposed to have some honor. I was supposed to. And, and just as a little aside, I think, I think when people say they want nice guys, what they really want is a man of honor, a man mm -hmm. who keeps his word. Absolutely. And, and, and then to make certain promises. You know, you, marriage is a great example. When you mm -hmm. marry somebody, you say, I promise to you that I'm going to stay married to you forever. Mm -hmm. And and what I'm going to do is I'm going to make compromises and I'm going to act in a certain way that's going to allow me to do that. But at the same time, you're making that promise to me. Mm -hmm. This is a partnership. That means that we're going to create a dynamic between us, which is going to allow us to continue on into eternity together. It's not you get to tell me how to act or I get to tell you how to act. I might say, I think what you're doing is incorrect. Or you might say, Hey, I think you need to look at this because it's ruining our relationships or, or whatever. But that commitment 
if you value that commitment in the way that it is structured to be valued, which is I'm making this promise to you forever in front of God and our family and friends and our future children or our current children, there's that's the that's the most extreme version of a promise that you can make. And if you have honor, you keep it. You do what yeah. you can to keep it. And sometimes yeah. it doesn't work out. Both people have to be on board and everything. But I guess what I think, though, is that you have to choose your promises. And you shouldn't be telling people which promises they need to make. You need to choose the ones you're going to make. You need to choose the commitments. And, and obviously, if you took boys and girls and you threw them out of the public school system and never let them watch television, never let them read a book and just let them play around as boys and girls. You know what happens? Boys hang out with boys and girls hang out with girls. And then sometimes they cross over and they laugh and the boys run away and the girls chase them. And then puberty happens and then the girls run away and the boys chase them. And then somewhere along the lines, they're like, okay, yeah, we're going to make babies now. Yeah. And they act in a certain way. And then these outliers that we've been talking about, they're kind of like looking at things and, Here's, here's where I'm trying to go with all this is that there's value in all of those roles. And the majority ought, I'm going to, I'm going to say ought mm -hmm. to be in, in sort of the, the one pool or the other. There's mm -hmm. only so many room for outsiders mm -hmm. to, to be looking in from the outside and saying, hey, this is what I'm seeing. And this is my take on it. And, you know, take it for what it's worth. But I can see some things happening here that maybe you want to check out. Um, and I'll say this too, as, as manly a man as I was raised to be, I have an extremely potent emotional side. I'm not very emotional with the exception of humor almost at all until I'm extremely emotional and it's like a flood of emotion pouring out of me. But I have learned how to channel that or to embrace it and to embody that for a moment and then to move beyond it and to examine what that means for me and where I'm at in my life and who I'm with and what it means. But the person that I married, my wife, she's an extreme high achiever. 4-0, all through school, all through college. She's risen to the top ranks at her job. But you know what she is too? She's a loving wife and she's a deeply committed, loving, nurturing mother. And she she realizes there's this weird struggle of balance between I really want to achieve and have a career, but I really want to be here with my kids and to make things happen. And unfortunately, she's worked herself into a position where she needs to go do something with the kids. They get hurt. There's a school thing. There's an event. She can go. Um, but at the same time, she wants to be the best at everything that she does. And she's very intelligent. She's very high IQ. And so that pushes me. And if I'm failing in my job as a man in our dynamic, she will step into the role of being piggybacking some of the leadership stuff, but she doesn't necessarily want to. And I look at her and I see her stressed out. And then I go, am I, am I fulfilling my commitment here? Am I rising to the level and because I have a lot of potential within me, I then go, oh, okay, there's, where am I, what am I missing here? Where am I failing? And now, now I have to systematize this and chunk it out and build myself into the level where I can take that off of her. And then when that happens, then that sort of 
dichotomy gets flipped back to where it's good for us. And then she's sort of the pulling energy and I'm the pushing energy. And there's, and so what I'm getting at here is number one, it's important for people to make their own commitments and decisions about their life. And childhood should be a sacred place where you just say, look, kid, tell the truth and have some honor and stick up for yourself. But what are you good at? What are you interested in? Explore those. Give them the space. Don't even, you don't need to worry about sex right now, mm -hmm. sexual dynamics. Just be who you are. Right. When puberty comes, you can figure some of that out. And we're going to talk to you a little bit before then to kind of prep you and everything, but just be who you are. But then, you know, you come into it and it's like, okay, you develop your skills, you make your commitments, you make your promises, you dive in, you figure out who you are and you really go for something and you build meaning, you build meaning into your life, you build success and satisfaction and connections and relationships in your life. And then if you've been successful, then those relationships will tell you where you're failing in the dynamic that you've built for yourself. The promises, the promises fence you in into a certain kind of life. And in order to keep those promises or to return to those promises, if you have failed them already, but you intend to keep them, your life principles, then the people around you will tell you where you're failing, even if they don't mean to. Even if they're actually your enemies, they'll tell you where you're failing because you'll see where they're attacking you and go, okay, I get it. And so my point here is just that while I agree with much of what you've said or, mo or most of what you said and most of what is out there in the world of understanding the dynamics between the sexes. I think the most important lesson out of all of this is just to find the correct dynamic for you and to understand even how to figure that out and what that means to you and to hold to those commitments. Mr. Nice Guy is, like I said at the beginning of this sort of scrambling rant, is, is Mr. Honorable Guy, really. That's what people are looking for. A woman wants you to be honorable. You should be attractive. You should, you know, I'm a handsome guy and I'm in shape and I'm confident and I walk into a room and people know I'm in the fucking room. They do. And that, that gives my wife the ability to stay attracted to me more than a dozen years later. But at the same time, uh, I have to maintain that level to maintain my commitment to her because she's done it. She's in shape. She's pretty. She's, nurturing she's loving she's successful you know i have to i have to rise to the bar and i have to even go higher oftentimes to make sure that i'm fulfilling my commitment and so i guess that's what i want people to really glom onto from my perspective is find your dynamic and then be the best version of what it takes to be inside of that dynamic that you can mm -hmm. keep those commitments to the best of your ability and when you do that suddenly all this other stuff all these distractions all this bullshit get shoved to the side because you don't have time for any of that. And then when you shove those distractions to the side, then you can see, you can really see, you can go, look, here are real problems. Here is Epstein. Here, you know, here is this cuties movie. Here is this push to indoctrinate children with all of this bullshit about sex and about sexual dynamics and about gender roles or the cultural construction of gender and all this stuff instead of just letting kids be kids and figure out the life for themselves. And then, you know, you said this coming generation, they're going to be so confused and so chaotic and just have such a deep misunderstanding of what it means to be a person. And it's very concerning to me as a father of three kids. Mm -hmm. I have three daughters and I look at what's going on. And so when they come home, we, we talk about stuff.
Mm-hmm. You know, they, they talk about stuff at school. We talk about stuff at home and I ask questions and I get them to think about things and, and I don't want them to be insensitive to race. I don't want them to be insensitive to gender dynamics. I don't want them to be insensitive to cultural issues, but I want them to be honest and thoughtful and realistic and intelligent about it. Not just suffering the ill effects of shitty propaganda, you know? And so I, I, I guess I've been ranting here for quite a while. I, I, I'll toss it back to you, but I, you know, what do you, what do you take away from all of that? <laughs> yeah, I. This is why I am 100% behind homeschooling because, first of all, kids can't pay attention for eight hours. So, <clears throat> the the thing about being a child is you'll never get that back, and it's some of the best times of your life, and it's not the time at all to be indoctrinated with politics. It's not the time to be indoctrinated with social justice bullshit because someone felt a certain way or orange man bad or, you know, what the hell ever's going on because kids can't understand this. Because when you try to teach a kid something, when you try to force something onto a child that's way out of their realm, it gives them psychological issues and psychological setbacks and you can ruin the child. The best thing that a child can be from ages two or for the time, from the time they start walking until around 15 years old is free. And if they're in, if, if they have good parents and what I mean by, you know, good parents is, you know, moral parents, um, parents who will instill values into them that are honest and they're common sense, you know, boys respect girls, girls respect boys, Uh, girls respect yourself, boys respect yourself, got to scratch your nuts, turn your back, don't let anybody see you do it, you know, things of that nature. And now is not the time to be trying to turn them into grownups. And it sure is not fucking time to force them into anything that is sexual by nature. Hmm. And we live in a society in a time now where that's before it was ignored. The whole human trafficking thing was ignored. The whole child pornography thing was ignored because again, orange man, bad Trump said a thing. He just tweeted, Oh my God, where's your mask? So we're not worried about kids. So you're telling me 27 children disappeared. That, that's real cute and all, but let's get back to how I feel about wearing masks. That's what we're going through right now. And I personally, I haven't decided whether or not I don't want kids or just don't want them right now. I don't know. Hmm. Um, it, it's not really my thing. I don't think I want the responsibility. I don't think I want, to have because I've seen what people go through. My cousin had an issue recently where his daughter and they go to a charter school, they go to a high level, um, not to be funny, mostly white, upper level, upper echelon charter school. And his daughter got accosted by a kid. And my cousin is a if you if you took Cecil Turtle. And Kukulin from Celtic Myth and put them together. That's my cousin because he will just, he's do, 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 and then he snaps. Um, he has, he just has a hair trigger temper. 
And he's, he's one of the just he's, – he's the nicest guy, but he's, he's like an old man. He was like me when I was four. My mother told me I was, I was an old man at four. Bill, I mean, he didn't have a chance. His name's Bill. Who, Bill is a name you're given when you're like 50. So he, uh, he has to go up to the school because his kid accosted the child, and the principal tried to kind of chalk it up to it's not a big deal. And he basically told him, hey, you need to get your kids straight because I don't want to have to come up here again. He said, because the next time I come up here, I won't be wearing this uniform. He's a sheriff's deputy. I won't be wearing this uniform. And the principal's like, Mr. Armstrong, you don't need to threaten me. He said, it ain't a threat. He said, I promise you, the next time I come up here, it will not be pretty. And I don't want to go through that because I'm on even – because Bill, my cousin Bill, it, he, he, he has that – level of control because he takes and takes and takes and takes and takes and he snaps. Mm. I just half take and then snap. And I know how I was over my cats. I can't imagine how I would be over my offspring, especially if it's a female offspring and some little punk kid like snaps her bra or, you know, whatever, you know, assaults her at the prom, whatever. And I, you know, I understand how dads are. I used to get pissed off. You hurt my baby, I'm gonna hurt you. And, you know, I understand that now. I, I get it. And I don't know if I want to put myself in that position. It's kind of a selfish thing, me not wanting kids. But again, it goes back to that lacking of initiation because they're not initiated by an elder, a shaman elder. You know, Spartans sent their kids through the agogi at like seven years old. And they didn't have these kind of problems that we have now. Vikings didn't have this kind of problem. You know, if you put your hand on a, on a, a Viking's daughter, you're going to lose everything you have physically. I mean, you're just going to lose everything. They're going to cut everything off. They're, they're going to butcher you. And we don't have that anymore. We don't have that fear. We don't, we don't have any of that. Western society has been so pussified because, of, because everybody's so concerned about the situations they just don't matter. They're turning irrelevant situations into causes. It's like turning the red pill into a movement or turning stoicism into a movement. Oh, you're indifferent? Why does there need to be a Christmas party? I don't give a fuck. They're, they're, okay, so Marcus Aurelius wrote a book. Seneca wrote a book. I don't need to hear what James Tyler thinks about stoicism. God damn it, it's 2020. Okay, stop, stop worrying about the things you can't control. End of stoicism. That's it. Just do that. Red pill. <laughs> Become a more high-value male. Attract more women and attract money. That's it. I don't need a movement. Rollo did the movement. It's, it's done. I don't need you to carry the torch. There's no fucking torch, you know? <laughs> and that's what happens is people get so wrapped up in irrelevant shit that they don't have time to get wrapped up in the stuff that matters, you know, like human trafficking and teaching their kids uh, to what to look out for and teaching girls not to twerk in the streets and on TikTok and fuck TikTok. Like, I mean, do, do, your, do your daughters even have social media? No. See, see there you go. There you go. See, that's, that's what I'm talking about right there. That's, that's what's up. Because four-year-olds with a phone. And I had to tell a girl, I had to tell a girl not too long ago, but she posted a picture. Her daughter was like 18 months old, running around uh, in, a, in a diaper and whatnot. And I was like, whatever her name was, Brittany, whatever her name was. 
please take this down. Because I, I, I had to step in at that point. I try not to get involved in people's business. And it's like, can you please take that down? Because what you've got there is a pedophile's wet dream. And I thought she was going get, to get, you know, snooty on me. She was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. I have no clue what I was thinking. Thank you for pointing that out. And she never did it again. Because it's not what you want to do. And, you know, I've had family members who just took constant pictures of their naked children and put them online. I mean, you, you've seen Twitter. You get idiot trolls out of nowhere because the algorithm runs on keywords and their corresponding trends. So if I post a thing and it's trending, then 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 I get hit with a bunch of bullshit. Like I did when my when my tweet went viral about don't chase money. And everybody with 13 followers and an AVI selfie knew more than I did about it. And so if you're posting naked pictures of your kids, you don't need hackers anymore. The, the algorithm takes care of it for you. Social media has it set up where anybody can see anything. You can mute them. You can mute the trolls and whatnot, but they're still going to see your stuff. You just can't see them comment unless you, you actually go to it. And this is, this is destructive. Children should absolutely not have social media. I don't think you should have social media until you're 30 years old. And because it doesn't teach you anything, it gives you, it gives you, uh, it gives you worse ADD, which children already have anyway. They have the attention span of hummingbirds. And the, the biggest issue we have right now is that lack of initiation. The closest thing we get to initiation is the military. You got some guys that, and you got some women as well, who choose to join the military and that instills some discipline in them. And some of them come out worse. And the military has been watered down now because of because of social justice. Can't cuss at them. Can't yell at them. You can just bring them and say, hey, here's how you put take part of gun and put it back together and go scrub. Uh, the I'm pulling yeah. my red card. Right. Just uh, uh, go scrub the toilet with a toothbrush if you want, you know, whatever. And we just don't <laughs> we just don't have that. We just don't have that. We just don't have that strength anymore as a Western society. And. The only thing that Western society is concerned about now, which is why, you know, the Democrats don't have a platform is because we hate the other guy. We hate what the other guy's talking about. We hate what the other woman's talking about. We, we, we hate everything that we don't like stands for. And we're going to, we're going to wage a war about it. We're going to burn down the Wendy's over it. And this is what happens when kids aren't raised in a, in a worthwhile household. They're sent to public schools. They're sent to, and I'm not saying all public schools are destructive, but it goes back to children need to be free and adults need to be adults. And they need to learn how to act. You teach them in very delicate ways. So you, you take your boys hunting or you take your girls hunting. You know, girls can be tomboys and, and still be girls. You got plenty of girls who hunt and then go, go get mani petties, whatever. You know, there's that dichotomy. Get, you know, find you a girl who can do both. You've seen the memes. And um, you just got to be able to instill these things in your kids without forcing them to do things that not only should they not be doing, but they don't yet understand. And that's one of the biggest problems we have now because kids are just not allowed to be kids. They're being forced into something dark and evil and chaotic and destructive and Adults just don't care. And that, that's what's so scary right now, man, because especially with the whole human trafficking thing is that what was once ignored is now glorified. And that's, that's, that's terrifying. Yeah. 
you know, when I think about these things, or I have conversations about them, like this one. It just always comes back to me, or for me, to the idea that your life should be yours. Who? I mean, how's your life, bro? How's your life, sis? You good? Because if not, and all this stuff is pulling you away from that good life, how's your life? Is it good? Because if not, you got some work to do. What about your neighbor? How are they doing? How about your friends? How about the people you work with? How about the people you intentionally associate with who intentionally associate with you back? We're having this conversation right here. You know, we've had another conversation on, on your podcast. We've had back and forth. We've developed a level of care for each other because of that. You know, I care whether or not you do well. I think you feel the same about me. But I can do less for you 2,000 miles apart than I could for my neighbor if they need my help. If my neighbor needs 100 bucks and I give them 100 bucks, their problem is solved for now, at least. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody loses their job and they live next to me and I can give them two weeks worth of groceries. Their two weeks of problems just got cut significantly down. Yep. But I can come on social media and I can say, well, guess what, guys? My neighbor, they lost their job. Sad, huh? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, so sad. And I'll feel better because I got that dopamine hit. Right. Meanwhile, my neighbor's still struggling. Or, and this is not to toot my horn or anything, it's just to give an example of how this can be a useful tool and why I think you're right. Maybe people should wait till at least after 25 to really have an online presence is this. I used to work with a guy. He's a really great guy. Really just a sweet, kind, funny guy. Good at his job. I worked with him for five years. He dropped dead of a brain aneurysm while going to pick up a blanket to put his daughter to bed during their good night ritual. He just died. And he had two daughters and his wife was pregnant with his first son when he died. Jesus. He, his son died or was born four days after he died. And that's a real problem for that family mm-hmm. and for the people who knew the guy and cared about him. And you can tell it affects me, but it doesn't affect me like it affects that family. Right. But I learned that they had to go fund me because the people I used to work with told me that this had happened and that's what happened. And so I went and I gave some money. But then I also reached out to Jack Posobiec. I said, hey, man, I have a friend who died, and his family is having a hard time, and this is their GoFundMe. I'm not expecting you to do anything, but if you could, if you would, I wouldn't mind you drawing some attention to this. And 30 seconds later, up it goes on the timeline. And you know what? Within 24 hours, there was a couple thousand dollars from people who would never met this guy before but knew that a family who just lost the father and the breadwinner needed some help. Yeah. And that's, I didn't do that. I just, you know, I just gave a little bit of money and I asked a friend with some reach to draw some eyeballs to that, but the people did it. And people are mostly good. Most people are mostly good. Mm. And when they see people having real problems and you draw their attention to those real problems and give them an opportunity to really do something about it, they will. And that's what's so fucked about politics. That's what's so fucked about these 
social movements, these movements, is you present a problem that people can relate to, and then you present them with a solution that doesn't solve it, only furthers the agenda of the people who are exploiting the good nature of other people. And that's the kind of shit that pisses me off. Yeah, It pisses me off. It causes a lot of anger inside of me. And that's why I rage about it sometimes is because you're exploiting the best parts of people and then you're turning that against them for your personal gain. And these psychopaths and their psychopath popularity contest in politics and in Hollywood and in these places, they feign compassion and they feign concern and they feign like they give a damn about anybody and they turn us against each other and they turn our hearts against ourselves mm-hmm. and they do it so they can go sit in their country clubs with their other psychopaths and measure dicks. Yep. And, it, and that's why I have these kinds of conversations with dudes like you is because I want real connection and I want to give people real opportunities to find real meaning and to say, I like that idea. I'm going to do something about it. What do I do? And we've been going now for a little more than 90 minutes, Jason. Not bad. And I wonder, my brother, what do you suppose if someone was sitting in front of you and they were all worked up, like I was just worked up, and they said, hey, man, I'm feeling a little lost. I'm feeling a little confused by all this shit because I know I'm being taken advantage of and I know I'm being exploited and I know there's something inside of me that I have to give but I don't know where to point it because all I know is these people are lying to me. I don't know where to find my truth. If you had one or two pieces of advice to offer that confused person who was sitting in front of you asking for help, what would you tell them? Well, interestingly enough, I actually had a kid ask me um, on Instagram because he, um, he follows Jack Donovan and so when I posted one of the snippets from our podcast, um, he, he had posted, um, yeah, I really think a lot of Jack and, you know, I had, I haven't read his books yet, but I'm going to get around to it. And right then I said, go ahead and get around to it because one of the things that holds people back is that gut feeling. And if you have a bad gut feeling, cause I got a bad gut feeling about politics as a whole because I've seen what one side's trying to do and I've seen that the other side is just trying to I talked about this on my podcast at Hotep Jesus it's a dingling fight it's all it is it's a dingling fight it's a dick measuring contest it's like you said man we're gonna, we're gonna sit around the country club and measure dicks that's exactly you hit the nail on the fucking head and people this goes back to you know what I was talking about with stoicism it doesn't need to be a movement People look so far into something and they try to make a movement out of everything. They try to make everything into this tabletop strategy game. And that's not what it is. This shit has been the same since day one. I've been hearing about World War III. I've been hearing about social justice things. I've been hearing about this president's a Nazi, that president's a Nazi. The Democrats are bad, the Republicans are bad, everybody's bad. All this kind of stuff. Never heard one thing about human trafficking. Never heard one thing about the real issues. Never heard one thing about anything that mattered other than everyone's emotional response 
to whatever they didn't agree with. And it's like I always say, politicians write the copy, the media provides the sales funnel. And social media is media. So what happens is people get on social media and they take what they just heard on Fox or MSNBC or, you know, what the hell ever, what, pick your poison. And they spew it back out on social media. So, um, and I'll get back to, to the kid here in a minute, but I have to say this, just like today. So the thing with this fucked up movie on Netflix, I mean, some people are trying to, I, I, I saw some people that I kind of respect, uh, not necessarily glorify, trying to justify it. And I, I get why. I, I still don't agree with it, and I won't watch it. I avoid everything. I will. Pro I probably will cancel Netflix. Um, and I see, because everyone's read the Gumroad courses. Everyone knows how the algorithm works. Oh, this is trending? Fuck, I can get some likes from this. Because this is what it's all about, right? It's all about validation, external validation, likes. It's not about improvement. It's not about internal validation. It's not about fixing things from within. It's about pandering to the narrative, getting pissed off at the other narrative, hating the other guy. We're, we're voting for this one because we don't like that one. And so what happens is people get on social media and they say, oh, it, it, a bunch of people are saying, oh, there's this fucked up movie glorifying this, glorifying that. And you can't get you can't get through it because it needs to have attention brought to it. But you can't you can't. Now's not a time to be on Twitter. If you're up there trying to, to post a platitude, e even Ed Lattimore, Ed Lattimore, just stay home. Nobody's going to see what you tweet right now because everybody's on the fucking cuties bandwagon. OK, because they have the answer. You can go on Netflix. You can see it. Everybody knows about it. But me. With my 200 followers, I have the answer. And I want to bring awareness to it so I can get some likes. Then you have the other people who are saying, please stop posting this because you're just bringing awareness to it. Okay? By you posting about it and saying to other people, please don't post about it, you're bringing awareness to it because Twitter works on a keyword algorithm and a trend algorithm. Some of them know this, some of them don't. Some of them are just so wrapped up in getting likes and validation. This is the fucking problem. This is the answer to your question. My answer is, and I've seen it, just stop. I don't know if I'll remain on Twitter. I like Instagram. I was talking with Zuby about this today. He thinks, you know, Twitter's great. Twitter's the number one. Great. I, I don't disagree with him. I think it's great for some people. Instagram's for me. I'm a visual person. I'm a picture captioner. That's what I do. I don't, I don't do short form. I don't do long form. That's why my articles are short. Um, and the problem is people are so wrapped up with everything, but improving themselves. So back to the kid, the kid's 20 years old and he says, what can we do? I'm paraphrasing. What can we do to fix this? And I said, you can't, people have been trying to quote unquote, fix this since the beginning of, of time. And it's not going to, because it used to be about land. Now it's about votes. Back when it was about land, everything was easy. But now it's about votes. It's a fucking dingling fight. So you said this. You said, hey, I, I really like Jack Donovan. Well, you know what? That's a place to start. Because this guy's written some great books on not only how to be a man, but, but how to be a person. How to be a human being. I paused that for a reason. How to be a human being. So 
it starts with yourself. You can be the difference. But the way you make a difference is by being the absolute best person you can be. Helping your neighbor out because they need groceries for two weeks. Contacting, you know, public figures to say, hey, would you mind sharing this? Because, I mean, and you taught me this. You don't know unless you ask. Uh, all you got to do is ask. And that's something I forgot for a long time until you told me. So I reach out to Hotep Jesus and Zuby and they're like, sure, just book the time. I'm like, fuck. That's how it starts because you start because yeah. what they what they do first. And Hotep told me this. He said, I went to your page and I said, I kind of like this guy. Is he, yeah, this is somebody I want to follow. Well, he's an upstanding guy. He's a good guy. He's a family man. He's a father. Loves his. Yeah, he, like he, he's, he's been with his, his girlfriend forever. And I mean, so you you catch the attention of other good people by being a good person. You don't have to try that hard. And these people are trying so hard and they're pushing these bullshit narratives and they're getting in the middle of the, they're just getting slapped in the face with dicks, Republican dicks and Democrat dicks and all these dicks. <laughs> just getting, just taking all these dicks. It's just a Dick pinball. Fest. Yeah. Right. Dick pinball. <laughs> and, they're, and they're, and they're focusing on you. It's not going to get you anywhere. And we all get wrapped up in it. We all get wrapped up in a little bit of that validation seeking on social media and in life. And if somebody comes to me and they're just, I've never had somebody actually come to me. Um, well, had a friend in high school. Uh, he was gay and he came out. And he and I were real close. We did a, uh, we did a play together. And uh, he was already a really awkward kid. And he, he kind of, this was back in the 90s. So the 90s was not. Wait, you're, you're telling me that there was a gay guy in a play? There was a gay guy in a play. Playing a hillbilly. A hillbilly younger brother. It was long. It was long song. <laughs> so I played the, the older drunken brother, of course, and uh, the war vet. And um, he hit me up, and he's like, "I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill myself." And I'm like, "Hold it right there. I, I need to go know what's going on." And he's like, "I'm gay." And I said, "No shit." <laughs> and um, it's like my best friend now. When I was when I was back home, it was like. Uh, is John, is John you know, gay? And, and my roommate said, well, he's got a daughter. I said, cool, he's bi then. I didn't say, well, perhaps he's bi. I said, cool, he's bi then. And he's like, nah, nah, not at all. We, we, we're going out to eat. And, and, and my, my best friend, John, was telling me about this. He was like, uh, yeah. He said, did you overhear the conversation that was going on the night we were at the pizza joint? I was like, no. And uh, he was like, I... I had said something about dating this guy and, you know, Damien just looked at me funny and I looked over at you because you already knew, but you were looking in a different direction and uh, he, he just didn't know. He just had no freaking clue. So that was just something I, and, and I knew, I knew there was something up with Gene, my, my buddy from high school. And uh, he was just really this really quirky kid. And he was like, you know, I'm gay. I'm like, I, I, I know. But, so, but, but what's the problem? What, what's the problem you're having? Because, you know, homosexuality is not a problem. He's like, I'm just, you know, people already think I'm awkward and I'm, you know, I'm isolated and I'm weird and I'm like, yada, 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 and I just don't want to do this anymore. I'm like, bro, you're going to have bigger problems in life than coming out of the closet, you know? And basically what I had to do was just talk him off of that ledge. And for years and years and years later, he was like, I can't thank you enough to keep me from, you know, blowing my brains out and all this kind of stuff. 
And that was the closest I ever came to somebody who had just lost their way because you know in the 90s, there wasn't a huge upgrade from the 80s as far as coming out of the closet. You were still bastardized if you did that. For sure. Um, you know, or, or, you know, just being gay, you know, uh, it, it was better to keep it to yourself. But back to this kid after I come out of the rabbit hole again, you know, what, what do we do? And I said, well, you're already on the right path. And that's the problem with kids right now. They're so ADD because of social media. They're like, oh, here's this cool thing. I'm going to get this book and I'm going to put it in the corner. I'm not going to read it. It looks cool. I got a dopamine hit from buying it. Uh, mm -hmm. as the, the artwork's really cool. But the, the first word, the, 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 the first thing that I tell people now is just stay away from politics. If you want to vote, vote. It, it, but, 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 but pick the policy. Don't pick I don't like the other guy. Hmm. Um, pick the policies that you agree with and that, that you can get on board with and, and vote accordingly if you think that's something you want to do. If you don't, that's fine as well. But don't get so wrapped up in it that it becomes your life and get so wrapped up in social issues and get so wrapped up in social media because when shit starts trending, you're going to disappear. You're just going to get lost. I don't care who you are. Zuby's going to get lost if something's trending enough. Zuby drops a brand new album. But if something Trump said is trending, he better jump on that bandwagon if he wants to retrend and then post about his album to get people's attention again because that's how it works. And we get so wrapped, and you don't know this unless you read the Gumroad course. So you get so wrapped <laughs> up in that stuff that you know you, you get you get set back, and we start, especially as guys, we don't we have to show up and do the work. We we have to show up and do the work. Women just have to show up. I saw an account the other day that had like three hundred twenty-seven thousand followers. It was a girl, and it was all selfies. I'm not talking about her modeling pictures were broken up by selfies. I mean, every fucking picture, like 50 pictures with selfies. This chick had 300. It was a monetized Instagram account. That's the difference between us and them. But I don't want to create a gender divide at the same time and say that women don't have problems. They do. It's, it's the same thing. First of all, stop doing that. You can, you, there's better, better things to do with your time. But Or, I mean, hey, don't, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, do it, do it while you can until you, you know, hit the wall. And then, you know, find something else to do. But I just had to tell this kid, look, man, you, you're trying to change things that are out of your control. And this is something the Stoics talked about very heavily. And if you pick up anything from them, let it be that. You have zero control over that. You have 110% control over this. This is what you need to control. And you need to get your own shit in order, you know, you need to get your you know, your own house in order, make your bed, all that kind of good stuff. Before you worry about what's going on out there, you need to establish a tribe. You need to have a, a bunch of good quality friends because my, my life improved so much when I had good friends. Don't be alone all the time. That's a big thing. If you don't establish a tribe, even if it's online, because I have guys like you, I have Nathan, you know, I have, you know, I still talk to the guys in FOE. You know, I got a lot of good close-knit guys so i can just go through and say hey man you know what today's fucked up you know i hit nathan up the other day and i was like dude today's fucked he said you know what it sure is he didn't even ask me he didn't even say <laughs> you know what yeah it sure as fuck is man this is ridiculous and um and then Get we didn't even nathan. talk about it the whole <laughs> subject was changed we started talking about i like that i don't guy. know podcasts or butter flavored motor oil or something i don't even know what the fuck it was <laughs> but that's just how it is with friends that they're gonna put you and they're going to set you straight. They're going to set you straight. They're going to lead you down the right path. And you're going to know if you have shit friends. 
you know, and that was one of the biggest things I did when I was growing up was I kept the company of crappy friends who I knew were going to kick me to the curb. And I did something. I almost posted something recently that sounded really cool in theory. And then I thought, no, I don't want to do that. But I'll state it. It was. I didn't when I was a child, I didn't have anybody to confide in. I was either ridiculed or ignored as an adult. I don't have anyone to confide in because I'm either ridiculed or ignored. And it kind of went back to my whole Sigma disparity or dichotomy rather of the best thing and the worst thing for a Sigma is isolation. And this is something that's, that's paramount, especially for younger people is, you know, kids need to be kids until it's time to not be kids anymore. Then you hit that point, you know, 18, 20, 22, whatever, where it's time to focus on you. So if I had to give someone the absolute best advice in the world, it's be as fucking selfish as you possibly can until it's not time to be selfish anymore or it's time to not be selfish anymore. Because if you don't get yourself in order, you will not have the ability to help others. And it's just like I was I was still doing self-development coaching as I'm working in a warehouse. And we're being told that a nine to five, you know, we're told by the alpha dorks that if you work a nine to five, you're a piece of shit. I got out of my nine to five, but you were in it. You were still in it. Some of them are just in it a little bit longer. And that's another thing I would tell them is stop listening to false gurus and stop worshiping false idols and stop putting narcissists on pedestals because there's a shit ton of them. There's a shit ton of them on Instagram. There's a shit ton of them on Twitter. There's a shit ton of them in politics. 99% of your politicians are narcissists and they're put on pedestals and they have done fuck all to solve anything. I know from at least 1979, because this is as long as I've been alive, it's the same repeat all the time. It's just to get votes. We'll tell you anything you want to hear to get votes. And if you're trying to improve yourself and you don't know the direction to go like this kid, this particular kid, same kid. He said, you know, I started um, doing college and I thought I wanted to be a history professor, but I don't like it. I said, get the fuck out right now. I said, I tried college five times. It wasn't for me because I'm artistically gifted, not academically gifted. They tried to tell me, Hey, you don't apply yourself. Okay. So one day you're telling me that I'm literally handmade by God and I have a gift but at the same time, I can do anything anybody else can do. Doesn't that negate the power of the divine creator? And so you have to you have to really get inside people's heads and let them know, look, you're doing things. This is indoctr- This is the exact indoctrination that you need to avoid. People are telling you what you need. They don't know anything about you. They have no idea who you are. You can't possibly know who a four-year-old is supposed to be. I want to be a fire engine. Of course you do, Tommy. Of course you do. But if you tell him <laughs> his whole life that he didn't become a fucking fire engine and he sees Thomas the train on TV, he's like, well, fuck, I want to be like Thomas. Because nobody told him, bruh, appreciate the trains, but you're kind of a, a, a dude and you're not going to be, you don't have wheels, you don't have locomotion, you don't have axes and levers and fulcrums and all that kind of stuff. You're not going to be a train, but it's cool to pretend. You know, I used to pretend I was, I was He-Man. I'm not He-Man. By the power of Grayskull. Right. Never, never turned out to be He-Man. Um, I, so I settled for being an Argonaut, you know. <laughs> but, but the biggest thing is to 
you have to turn within and say, okay, here's the thing. Who am I? What do I want to be? And instead of trying to focus on all the things you're not good at and the things that people tell you what to do, think about the things that you want to do and don't try to monetize them yet. Let them monetize themselves. Because if you put out enough free stuff, people are going to say, hey, man, can I buy something from you? Because you just keep putting it. Do you have a product or something? And you got people constantly putting out products and nobody gives a fuck, you know, because, because again, Trump said a thing and you, you get, you get lost, you get lost in the matrix, you get lost in the mix and you have to just keep going and going and going until you figure out what it is. You know, Morgan Freeman didn't become an actor until he was like 117 years old. He didn't know what, he didn't <laughs> know what the hell was going on. So you have to just keep going. You may not know today, you may not know tomorrow, but the, the third thing I tell people, I think it's the third thing. I didn't really number anything up at this point, but is to take your skills, monetize your skills. So whatever you're good at, do that. It's not necessarily going to be your gift. So Steve Harvey says your gift is the thing you do best with the least amount of effort. And I guarantee you, I'll add to that. I guarantee your gift is also something you love. So coaching is something I do the best with the least amount of effort. And I also love it. My skill is working in a warehouse. I love it. My talent is singing and songwriting. I love it enough to do it. When I get fucking tired of it, I don't want to mess with it anymore. So it's not really a skill. It's more of a talent because I do it pretty easily, but it's not quite a gift and it's not as something as laborious as a skill. Hmm. So you take your, your skills and you monetize them. Then you do your hobbies for fun. All of this keeps you busy. It keeps you paid. It keeps you fulfilled. Everybody has a skill they know about and a hobby that they love. Everybody. And I don't care. If you like to play video games, then damn and play them. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shit on anybody for playing them. If that's your thing. Don't let it turn into an addiction. Don't do it all day, every day. Don't you know sit around, you know, playing stuff with you know Cheeto dust all over you and whatnot and not bathing. Um, until you figure out what your gift is. You have to figure out, and it's and it's gonna be an aha moment and it may your skill may turn into your gift and at that point you're blessed you're completely blessed because you figured it out you know you you started a millionaire business you know cleaning toilets whatever people do it but the longer you to 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 wrap it all up in essence the longer you focus on what's going on out there the less you can focus on what's going on here and what's going on in here matters because you only get this one life you may be tucking your kid in morbid as this sounds and tucking your kid in and drop dead at any point in time. I, one of my, um, my, one of my former band members, I found out today that his sister died. She's 42. She's got kids and their father died. The mother died of, uh, I think she had cancer. Father died of a heart attack. And so now it's just the two brothers and she died at 42. That's a year younger than me because I can give another piece of advice whatever's going to kill you was determined the day you were born and there's fuck all you can do about it. You can be a vegan, you can be a carnivore, you can exercise, you can sit around and rest. You can do whatever you want to do, but whatever's going to get you is going to get you. If you're supposed to be hit by a bus and you miss that bus, then the truck behind it's going to get you. That's just how it works. Final destination. The shit was right. That's just how it works. (laughs) And if you don't focus on the only thing 
that you have control over because it goes back to taking ownership because you have to take ownership over everything that happened to you because it's not necessarily your fault, but it is your responsibility. So that's number four, take ownership. Everything that happened, I don't care what it was. I don't care if someone was running with scissors, just like this, like, like, like Norman Bates, just run them in scissors like this and, and came at you and just cut you all up. It's your fault. Somehow, excuse me, it's your, it's your responsibility. Somehow it's your responsibility. It's their fault, but it's your responsibility. So taking ownership also has people who know me know I don't forgive. I don't forgive outside people. It's, it's my thing. Will I change? I don't know. I forgave my father. He's the only person. I said, if I'm going to give my energy to forgive someone, I forgave my father. He did his best. I'm over it. As far as everybody else, I'm just over it. I just, I just kick him to the curb. And I'm just not, I'm not worried about it. And people say, well, you just carry that with you. And I'm not carrying anything. I got rid of them. That baggage is gone. I can't even remember who transgressed against me because I just let it go. So taking ownership in a lot of ways is forgiving yourself. Always forgive yourself because you get to reinvent yourself as many times as you want in life. And as long as you're not hurting other people in the process, as long as you try, you know, as long as you're not hurting people on purpose, you're going to accidentally hurt some people. But as long as you're not transgressing, transgressing against other people on a constant basis on purpose, then everything's pretty much okay. But if you, you, you go through your trials, you go through your errors, you go through, you know, all your hardships and you have to forgive yourself every time you fuck up. You have to embrace your failures because that's what we all do. And we're told, again, you, you, you didn't apply yourself. No, you failed that. Instead of saying you didn't apply yourself, try harder. Say, what did you learn from that? That's what you ask the kid. You don't say, you don't beat them up. They're seven years old. You don't beat them up over their failures. You tell them, good job, because I never learned a fucking thing by winning. Nothing. The only thing I learned was that I had to do it less. So get out there and fail. And take ownership of every time you do it. Take ownership of everything that happens to you. It takes two people to fuck up a relationship, but take ownership. Be, from, my, from my standpoint, be a man, take ownership. It can work for women too. If you're a woman, be a woman, take ownership, whatever. You have to take ownership for everything that ever happened to you. Because if you embrace that, it just makes everything okay. You know what? I'm going to own this shit. I'm not going to blame anybody else because blaming other people. It's, it's kind of like that Buddhist thing. You're, you're, you're taking the poison, hoping to kill somebody else. They don't care. They're not going to change. They're, you're not going to point the finger at them and they're going to say, Oh, okay, well I take it back. Well, there's no back season. There's no back season life. So you have to own every single instance in your life, because if you don't, you're going to develop a victim mentality. And you're going to be wondering what you could have done different and how you can change everybody else. Because really and truly, that's what that victim mentality is. It's how can I change everyone to fit my narrative? And this is, this is very poisonous because you can't grow from that. You can't develop from blaming other people for everything. And people have to understand that, you know, a lot of people will say, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take responsibility for something somebody else did. Well, then you're going to hold on to it that you, they still have that power. So when you take that ownership and give it to yourself, now you have the power. You legit have this freaking power and you can do it. You can throw it away. You can use it as fuel. You can do whatever you want with it. That's what it's about. That's what these dorks 
and trolls don't understand by what I say, by when I say don't chase money. I'm not saying don't make money, which brings me to the fifth thing. Decide. <laughs> is it really money you want or is it freedom? Because I learned that what I needed was more freedom because I can make $100,000 a year in a warehouse. I'm making good money at this warehouse right now that I'm getting ready to leave next week because I've got as close to the job of my dreams as I possibly can. Because I like to coach. I like to coach in person. I have no desire to work from home. And I can make $100,000. I can, I could get up. I live in a studio apartment. I could get up and walk over to my computer every day and I'd be miserable out of my life because I don't, I don't want that. I want to get out there and, and change lives. I want to get people fit and strong and better and tell them, say, oh, I'm having a problem with this. We'll come over here. Let's talk about it. Well, do you have time? I always have time. Let's come over here and talk about it. And you have to decide, is it more, is it more money you want or is it more freedom? Because I decided I'm not a stuff person. I want to get to the point where I have a bed and a computer and a desk and, and, and Nancy Pelosi here hanging and my pumpkins and all this, this is here. This will be my, my little thing that I do for every holiday. I might even do, I might even do an Easter rack. I don't know, but I decided I wanted more freedom and I decided, okay, what do I need? Okay. I need 20 grand a year. Not easy. It is to make 20 grand a year. And that's my number. You got to decide on your number. So number five is decide on your number because money is important. It's not, it's not, money's not happiness. No, it doesn't buy happiness, but it buys freedom and freedom is happiness. So that's what, uh, that is for number five. And then the final one is train. Uh, it's, it's, it's very superficial sounding coming from a coach, but you, you got to find a way to get physical because Getting physical solves 90% of your problems. Finding your purpose in life, which will be number seven, um, solves the other 10%. So hmm. clinical depression hit me hard when I found my mission in life, which is coaching. It, it doesn't hit me as hard. But um, yeah, get out there, get physical, lift weights, um, study martial arts. And study martial arts for the spiritual aspect of it and the self-development aspect. Don't go out there and say, this is another a way to get wrapped all up. What's the best martial art for self-defense? There isn't one. There, there's legit not. Somebody wants to kill you, they're going to kill you. I just solved all your problems. So you study a martial art that you enjoy. If you enjoy jujitsu, fine. Find a school that doesn't, where the students don't believe that they can stop machine gun fire. Because every time you see anybody enjoying their martial art, here comes some BJJ practitioner talking about, oh, it won't work against jujitsu. So you got that problem. So do what you love in the gym. There is no best program. Get something out of muscle and fitness, whatever. Find your martial art and study. Get physical. You've got to get physical because nothing gets you away from your path, like sitting still being bored, which is the final thing is, you know, find your purpose. And your purpose doesn't have to be monetized. I donate to like five different kitten rescue charities because that's, that's my thing. I love kittens and I want to see <laughs> I, I want to see the, 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 the horror stop that's going on with them right now. People say, well, why not dogs? Because how many stray dogs do you find? Seriously, how many stray dogs do you see? You see kittens running rampant all over everywhere because they mass produce. And, and, and I donate the, to, uh, to uh, exotic meat slash animal shelter. So just throwing that out there. Exotic meat slash animal shelter. Yeah. 
It's it's a two and one. I'll let you think about that one. Yeah, I'm, I don't know if I want to. I think it's kind of weird. <laughs> I'd rather pe- rather just tell people number seven. Just focus on your mission, whatever your mission is. You may be a missionary, and that's that's great too. But you have to constantly search, but you don't have to find the answer right now. And it's imperative that people. I got T Rex hand. How about that? So it's imperative that you you're always searching but you don't always have to be finding. Hmm. So when I tell people to stay on the path, it's to, it's to stay physical. Don't chase money. All these things that, that set people back. If anything makes you feel negative or dirty, you know, like po- politics is dirty. I don't mean like porno dirty, which is also something you should avoid. But I mean, like if anything feel, makes you feel just, not right like your gut go with your gut um if something doesn't feel right then you're you're, you're not on the right path so to, mm. to you know to wrap that all up that's that's what i would tell people it would be a hell of a it, it, it's very long-winded but it's 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 imperative that they you know understand those things and i think i i think i covered everything i do just you got to find your own way if i had to put it in one sentence you got to find your own way because you're thinking about their way and fuck their way we've seen their way doesn't work get away from that tune out the poison if social media is sucking your brains out get off of it if, you know whatever horrible vice is sucking you out you know get a hold of it and and control it and just you know sally forth man that's what i would tell mm. these people you know that's very good. That's a very good collection of thoughts. I have just one to add, and then I think we can wrap this mofo up. I've had a bunch of people in the last couple of months reach out to me. And they said, Chance, I read Uncommon Mentality, and I thought it was cool, and then I didn't do anything. And now I'm reading it again, and I'm actually doing the stuff that's in there. And I tell people, it's in the copy on the gum road. It's in the book. I'm like, look, this is not something where you just read this and feel good. I, I expect you to do the work and you won't, you probably won't. And I'm not expecting you to be just like me. I'm not expecting you to do all of this. I'm expecting you, if you're going to do it, to pick a couple of these things and to do it because it will add value to your life. I know it will. I've seen it happen, happen for me. I've seen it happen in my personal life. And now that the book's been out for a couple of years, I've seen it happen over and over again. But the point I'm making with this is, and that book, by the way, is all about just helping you discover who you are, mastering that, getting the shit out of you, putting the gold in you, and and learning how to do that most effectively. It's all about you being you to the best. But that's it's not an advertisement for my book. I mean, it is in a certain way, but what I'm trying to say here is that most of you who listen to this, most people or watch this, most of the people out there, you already have all the information, all the wisdom, all the knowledge in you right now. All the shit that Jason just said, it's all good. And you already know that almost all of you out there already know everything that he said and that it's true. And so the point I'm making here is that you have to commit to being something more than you are today, tomorrow. And you have to do that again tomorrow. You have to do that again the tomorrow after tomorrow. And sometimes you're not going to. Sometimes you're going to be like, well, you know, not today. But you can't let that happen more often than you commit to being something more tomorrow than you were today. If you can 
win a majority of days, you'll be so much better off than you can even dream of right now that it will blow your mind. You won't even recognize who you are, but it takes you committing to it. And when you're ready, the people like me who decided and made it, people like Jason who continues to fall and then continues to climb, continues to fall and continues to climb. The people like I've had on this podcast, like he's had on his podcast, the people out there who are really looking at you and saying, hey, all I've got is the tools, baby. You can use them. Here you are. My book, my book costs 17 bucks and it'll give you a lifetime of work. Mm-hmm. It's not about me. It's not about that 17 bucks. I used to charge more because it was a filter. But I figured, you know what, whatever, man. You're going to do it or you're not. 17 bucks is not a big ask. Who cares? Yeah. But my point is, when you're ready, you already got everything. And you got all these people out there who are just one just one ask away. Will you help me? Yeah. Are you going to do the work, though? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Then, yeah, I'll help you. And guess what? The shit I'm going to teach you is going to help make you money. Maybe you can give some of that to me. Maybe you can give some of that to the next guy. Coaches are valuable. Teachers are valuable. Education is valuable. But only if you put it to use. And I tell people all the time, I don't want your money if you're not going to do it. Don't come here. Don't come here and give me your money. I don't want that blood money, yep. you know? And and so the last thought I just want to add to everything that you added is you're absolutely right. And everybody knows it. And everybody knows the truth that all you got to do is commit and commit tomorrow and commit the next day and then have a little bit of compassion for yourself on the days that you don't rise to the level that you know you should have and, and get over it. Forgive yourself, like you said, and move on. Mm-hmm. Move on to the next day and be something more tomorrow than you were today. And if you fucked up, today man is it easy tomorrow to do better than you did today that's right and that feels pretty damn good and with that i think i'm good dude how about you yep and i'm glad you added that number eight because i'm i'm, I'm surprised i let that out it's um it's very imperative because people get wrapped up in uh youtube videos and books and they get that dopamine hit from watching them and then they're disappointed with when the video is the same as every other one and the book didn't tell them anything and it's full of fluff and everything you had, just like you said, is it's already in you. You just got to get out there and fuck up. You got to get out there and fuck up because if, if, if you win, you won't know what to do next. I'm not saying you'll never win, but winning is, winning is, is the product of failing a thousand times and then saying, cool, and now going and finding another thousand ways to fail. Because, you know, like you said, you get up the next morning, it's going to be so much easier to have that battle plan. And we, and we get wrapped up because society tells us oh you didn't apply yourself no i applied myself and it wasn't for me so now i'm moving on to the other thing so cut off youtube put the book down and get out there and fuck up that's and that those are my final thoughts i'm tommy Lawrence. or uh jerry springer and these are my final thoughts oh i forgot about either, it yeah yeah either way yeah well look man it's been a pleasure to have you on here there's a lot of good shit wrapped up in here it's a lot of interesting uh, anecdotes and things from your life. Um, there's a little bit of me getting teary eyed and then, and then getting a little bit angry. <laughs> so we need that. there's a lot, of, we there's need a lot for rage, people to, to dive into. Um, so I just really want to thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast and, and share yourself with, with me and with the audience. Absolutely. Well, in that case, I've been Chance Lunsford. You've been Jason, the Argonaut. This has been the Logos and Trivical podcast. This has all been allegedly, and we're out. And as soon as I press the button again.